Hi, everybody. So I'm so excited to be here. Uh, we are here to be talking about the latest Star Wars movie, Rogue One. And uh, I'm joined by my friends, Abby and Jeremy. If you guys want to say hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah, if, if you guys are somewhat new to the channel, you might not realize that uh, Abby and Jeremy and I did all of the Star Wars movies last year. It was kind of the first podcast I ever really did. And uh, we had so much fun doing that. And uh, so you might have only seen us in our Harry Potter uh, podcast, but we're, we've actually done all the Star Wars movies. And we did a ranking video where we ranked all of them also. So uh, I'll, I have a link in the description section to the playlist uh, so you can check those out if you want. Uh, but here we're here to talk about Rogue One. And this is going to be a lot of fun. And I, I'm excited. You know, hopefully every year, you know, we can... Uh, Next, next up, we've got episode eight, so it should be a lot of fun. And I always do like a little summary, uh, that, and then kind of gives us a, a, a place to, to talk about. And I do have the chat room open. I see there's already some people in there, which is awesome. And uh, so here's my little summary of Rogue One. Rogue One starts out with the Urso family hiding out from the Empire when Krennic comes to force Galen to work on the Death Star. Lyra Urso urso is killed and daughter oh sorry i should say this is spoiler heavy podcast <laughs> spoiler heavy uh, so only only uh watch if you're if you're if you've seen the movie or you don't care about getting spoiled uh, so lyra urso is killed and daughter Jin escapes she's found and raised by saw guerrera 15 years later Jin is rescued from prison by the rebels who are trying to find her father we meet an array of rebel characters including Cassian and Droid K2SO. They go to Jeddah, where they find Saw Gerrera in an armed insurgency against the Empire, uh, who, are, who are there mining cyber for cyber crystals. Gerrera shows Jin a hologram of her father, explaining a flaw in the Death Star if they can find the plans at the data bank in Scarif. Tarkin doubts the weapon, so Krennic destroys Jeddah's capital, which kills Jer Guerrera and his followers. Tarkin takes control of the project and Krennic meets with Darth Vader for his support, but Vader refuses. The rebels find Galen, but they are unable to rescue him and he dies. Jin tries to convince Mon Mothma and others to steal the plans from the bank in Scarif, but are unsuccessful. Her and the other rebels attack the base and there is a battle where they are killed. Jin and Cassian get the plans and transmit them to the rebel ship under great adversity. The rebel ship escapes Darth Vader uh, with the plans and then Tarkin fires on the planet causing a shockwave that kills Jin and Cassian and the rest. The final scene is Princess Leia getting the plans for the Death Star. There you go. <laughs> um, so uh, what do you? What were your overall thoughts? I've seen it twice. I know Jeremy, you've seen it twice. Uh, but what were you sort of your overall thoughts, impressions of the film? Uh, what, starting with you, Jeremy, what do you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. As uh, uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't say it's uh, my absolute favorite, but I thought it was a really enjoyable film. Um, I really liked that uh, it filled in this big plot hole from A New Hope where why would they even have this uh, catastrophic flaw built into their system that was so simple um, and now we know and so I really appreciated that um, it was a great action movie it was a good Star Wars movie um, you know I, uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun to watch 
Now, what do you think, Abby? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't, I didn't love it. Uh, it was definitely no Force Awakens for me, and I'm surprised at uh, the number of people who think it's super amazing. <laughs> I yeah. guess because uh, I, I'm a, I'm not a Star Wars super fan, but I'm a fan, and and uh, I don't know. I just. I thought it was kind of middle of the pack as far as Star Wars movies go. I didn't think it was super awesome, but it was fun. Yeah, I'm right with you. I'm exactly the same as you, Abby. I I thought that it was, if you're just going to the movies to like, I want to go to an entertaining action movie, it's fine. It's a fine action movie. It's maybe even a good action movie. Uh, it's certainly better than a lot of other franchise action movies that we got this year. It's it's better than, uh, in my opinion, better than Batman v Superman. It's better than Suicide Squad. It's better than a lot of these other movies that we got. It's better than the Jason Bourne movie, I think. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's better than a lot of these movies. But in my opinion, as a Star Wars movie, I left feeling disappointed. And, you know, we're going to kind of unwrap why that is. <laughs> and part of that, I admit, fully admit, I have certain things that I never realized until this movie that I have certain things that are Star Wars to me. And I, I guess I just have to maybe let some of those things go. But to me, I, I, I struggled with it more than I thought I would. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I just, I just felt like the characters were, weren't that well done. And I felt like the story just was kind of boring in phases not that that's never happened in star wars but it certainly has but i always feel like even in the prequels i do feel like the characters are are usually kind of characters that i can relate to a little bit more at least one or two characters you know it, i always yeah. feel like star wars is kind of about the characters and i just felt like i had a hard time even remembering these characters names most of them and so anyway, we'll get into it more, and but that was sort of my sort of uh, frustration uh, with was the characters and some of the story, uh, but I still thought it was entertaining. Um, so we have uh, um, uh, we have you know people in the chat room. It looks like a pretty good turnout here, and people that felt uh, they loved they loved that film so hard. I definitely don't feel disappointed. So there you go. There's. So some different opinions in the chat. I don't know if I would say I was disappointed. Uh-huh. Because I, I don't know that I was really expecting it to be Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of skeptical of this movie anyway. I was yeah. like, why do we why do we need this? Mm -hmm. And when I left, I was like, okay, we really didn't need it, but right. it was fun. <laughs> well, and I, I have to blame to a certain degree, my disappointment, I blame it a little bit on the premiere because the people that came out of the premiere were like, this is the greatest Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back. And I, that's going to, it's so hard for me to like not have that sort of affect my expectations a little bit uh, with sort yeah. of their hyperbole, I think. I remember hearing that too. And uh, for me, I, I don't know. I, I've seen uh, several polls online this week on different uh, pages I follow, um, just asking, you know, we've had two films in two years, which one's your favorite? And two to one in both of the polls I saw, uh, people chose Rogue One over Force Awakens. And I don't get, I don't get it. Um, I just thought 
Force Awakens for me, as you know, is it's my uh, number one Star Wars movie ever, and um, I just don't think this comes near that. Um, a part of it is, you know, we we are kind of getting a little bit into, uh, you know, we didn't have a Jedi, you know, in this film, mm-hmm. and for me, that's always been, you know, part of what's the core of Star Wars is you're following, you know, somebody who's learning to be a Jedi um, in some way. And for me, that that's a big part of what's missing, but that's not part of this story. And um, so I would say just overall, if, if this is the quality of film we're going to get because Disney wants to do a film every year, um, I'd say this is a good, you know, this is a good quality for that kind of film. And, uh, you know, a- Abby's uh, big concern with it was this wasn't a story that needed to be told. Um, but that's kind of where we are with it. If they want to do one every year, we're going to get a lot of stories that, you know, it's, it isn't necessarily when it has to be told, but they're looking for stories to tell. And I think as far as, you know, the first one to go, I really like the placement of it. it we're taking a time that we're familiar with mm-hmm. and something that's um, really, you know, um, pertinent to uh, the setup of A New Hope. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was really actually pretty excited about the concept of the movie as far as a war movie. And in theory, I liked it, but in execution, I I don't know. I was just I it, it didn't quite didn't quite work to me for me, but I was I felt like I went into it open to this new kind of idea. But um so uh anyway, Tom Gunn, he says in the chat room he says kind of disappointed. I hope to fall in love with these characters more. It's like speed dating, hoping something cool might happen and then meh, no big deal, but kind of disappointed. So, there you go. Um Yeah, and you know, Tom Tom and you are the only ones I had really heard from. I hadn't read reviews. I hadn't looked at a ton. And so I think maybe I went in with <laughs> low expectations. And so it was like, oh, that wasn't bad. Secret, I enjoyed secret it. to happiness in life. <laughs> as we know. I will say I, I enjoyed it um, actually more the second time. Um, I, I felt like that, that piece that was missing with the connection to the characters, I felt like it took one watch to build that connection. And then the second time I watched through, they did have me emotionally invested in it um, because I did know everybody a little bit. Um, so I enjoyed it more the second watch through. I have to say I agree. I did as well. I I think that it, I what had happened was, is I had, because we had talked about maybe doing this on uh, yesterday or Tuesday, can't remember. And so I had written mm-hmm. up these questions and the summary and having that in my head helped a lot in the second viewing to be like, okay, because I, I remember when I had gone into it about an hour and change, the first viewing, and somebody mentioned Bodhi, and I was like, who is that? I have no idea. And and so, I don't know, it helped this time around to be like, okay, that's Sharut, and that's Bodhi, and that's, you know, to kind of have this, a framework of, okay, well, this is why they're there. It's, you know, Sagara, because I was really confused about that the first time. But now that I had done this sort of more research, I guess, I, I found mm-hmm. I, I liked it a lot more. And certain movies are like that. I have to say that, like, um, for me, uh, when I went and saw Blade Runner, <laughs> uh, for about the first half hour, because I saw it in the theaters uh, in a re-release thing, and the first half hour, I was so confused about what the heck was going on. So I went into the into the hallway, and I read like a synopsis on Wikipedia of like, what was going on? <laughs> and I enjoyed it. That's super so, funny. I, you know, some people would be like, how could you have the spoilers? No, I liked it so much better 
because I, I, I felt like I had, it's kind of like going into a Shakespeare play. It's at least for me, it's very helpful to have read it ahead of time and, uh, you know, kind of know this is the base story. And, and then you can kind of, you're not as sort of confused about the mechanics of who's who and what they're doing and stuff like you can kind of just enjoy it a little more, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I, I actually had a hard time with that in this movie. I only saw it the one time and I was really like, I'm not sure who's, who's who. And they're talking about, I don't even remember the name of the guy, the, mm -hmm. the scary guy who was like anti, he dies in the very beginning. He's the oh, Sagarera. Yeah, Sagarera. Yeah, like I didn't yeah. even remember his name. Right. And I didn't, like, they kept talking about him and I was like, who's that again? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I know. So for for somebody who hasn't, well, so he he was actually a character from the Clone Wars animated series, and uh, so for people who've seen that, Sagarera is just a name you're used to, um, but it, for you know fans of the movies who haven't didn't know that connection, I could see it just you know they kind of make an assumption there a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Well, and I had read the. Um... Uh, this was a, a question I had. Uh, so I read Catalyst before, which was a prequel book to this story. And it helped me a lot to be, even on the first watch, to be able to understand who who uh, who Galen and Krennic were. And I, I liked their characters much better. And I guess my I had a question was, I've noticed this as a trend in a lot of movies, where it's not just enough to sort of watch the movie. You have to have either watched a previous movie or have read a novel or have uh, read a comic or something like that, you know, played the video game, whatever it might be. You know, a lot of people said that to me about Warcraft. It's like, oh, if you just played the game, then you would, you would like it so much. You would really enjoy it. And I'm like, I know. So I'm curious, <laughs> curious for your, for your guys' thoughts on that. Like, do you think that, that that's a reasonable expectation for a film to expect people to do that I, i'll say I, I don't think it's a reasonable expectation for every fan to go do it but also i i don't know that they're maybe relying on this expectation a ton as a fan i, I enjoy the experience I, I like to do additional reading um you know i feel like if we go back to the harry potter series for example you know having read all the books um you know, and watch the movies, I think it adds a greater depth to it. And so for me as a fan, you know, if I'm going to read comics or read other materials about it, for me, I enjoy it and it helps, it helps me enjoy the movie experience better. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as them, uh, you know, the uh, production companies expecting people to uh, do this, I, I don't really, uh, I wouldn't want that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it can be a little bit of a cop-out, you know, that that we, that I, I, in, in a certain degree, I felt like they, I felt bad for the people that hadn't read Catalyst because Galen is just so, you just see him so briefly and you, you just, you don't get any, and I had such a richer understanding of his character and same thing with Krennic. And I felt like Krennic really suffered from, a comparison to Darth Vader, you know, like it's not like, like people criticize Kylo Ren, but at least Kylo Ren didn't have literally have Darth Vader in the movie, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like to compare it to like, uh, and, 
so anyway, I, I felt like, oh boy, because those two characters were so much richer for me because I'd read the book. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah, I, I do feel like I haven't, I mean, I've seen the other Star Wars movies, but I haven't, I don't know. It's not something I really geek out to. Like, I'm not going to go watch, like, some cartoon series about it, and I'm not going to go read a novel that's Star Wars based. Mm -hmm. um, that's just not my level of interest in the franchise. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I do think the movie would have been a lot less confusing if I were more invested in other areas like that. But I don't think this particular one really required it of you. I mean, mm -hmm. I still enjoyed the movie and yeah. So maybe that's the key and understood the plot. And maybe that's the key is, is making it maybe a richer experience if you do, but still making it a good experience if you, if you don't. And I think yeah. a lot of those people at the premiere had read catalyst. Cause you're talking about the hardcore fans, hardcore people, you know, who, uh, who, like cover Star Wars and probably did reviews and things like that of Catalyst for their, you know, teams and stuff. So that may be part of it, but I still, I was watching uh, the AMC, not AMC, uh, the Collider movie talk this morning and they were doing their best of the year and three of them had Rogue One in their top three, which just blew my mind. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and these are people who see, you know, these aren't people who see, you All know, the yeah, they're not people who see <laughs> yeah. 10, 15 movies a, a year. And I, that, really surprised me that they that they would say because i don't think it's i mean it probably will end up outside my top 50 which is shocking for me for a star wars movie but but uh but yeah that's that's uh so anyway let's move on okay so um what did you think of this overall concept of the movie? Like we talked a little bit about it where Abby, you said you didn't think it was necessary. We've got this. Cause they say that it's a standalone movie, but it's not really, you know, like you kind of need to know who yeah. Darth Vader is and you kind of need to know. I feel like uh, if, and if you watched it as a standalone, it would really suck. Yeah. It would be like, super it would boring. Just really suck. Cause that's a sucky ending. Yeah. That's like, true too. Yeah. That's terrible. All the good guys die. Like, they accomplish what they wanted to do, but almost all of the good guys die. And that's terrible. The only reason I was, I mean, I kind of went in assuming that was going to happen. Because we don't know any of these people from the next movie. You know? Yeah. So, um, that wasn't a real surprise to me, but if I hadn't seen any of the others and I didn't understand it in context, I'd be like, that was the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I... I don't think it's a standalone movie. I think that that's, that's nonsense. Uh, but uh, it is, I guess, in the sense that you're not going to see most of these characters again. So, uh, like, loosely it's a standalone. But, like, not in the sense of you don't need to know all the, have seen of these other movies. I don't think. Right. Yeah, I agree. I liked the, like I said, I liked the concept going into it. I thought it was a cool idea to do this sort of prequel to find out how they the they got the the Death Star plans and what sacrifice was made for it, but I I uh, I just didn't think it was executed that well as far as the characters and the plot. Um, but I don't know. What do you think of the concept, uh, Jeremy? I I really liked the concept. I I really appreciated what they were trying to do. Again, I think it's a great um, moment in Star Wars history that that was worthy of having a movie about. 
um, I do feel like um, the the biggest flaw for me was the lack of character development. Because um, again, it, through the entire first movie, um, or the first watch of it, I was not, I wasn't really connected to any of the characters. And so as each of them is dying, it's just like, oh, okay, he's gone. Okay, oh, she's gone. You know, and even at the end, it, there wasn't that in, that much emotional attachment. Um, like I said, the second time I watched through, I actually felt a great deal of emotion um, uh, just, you know, as the different deaths happen, because I, I have connected to the character at that point, it does mean something to me. And so I think part of it, this being a one-off, um, that's, you know, it's, it's hard to develop the characters that well, because in any of the other Star Wars movies, most of the characters are being developed over two to three or more movies, and we just didn't have the length of time available to get to know these guys. Um, I don't know if I buy that though, because I mean, you look at like a movie like Up, okay? In Up, they 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 develop Ellie as a character. Spoiler alert for Up, but they develop her as a character <laughs> for like, and she's in the movie for like five minutes and You're dies, right. and you feel so much emotion for that character. So it's totally possible with good writing to 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 get that emotion. Uh, in in a brief in a brief period of time that, okay yeah i'll give you that I, I will say i think that's what they were trying to do at least with Jin, um in showing the kind of flashback sequence at the beginning uh with her dad you know uh getting picked up and her running away i i think it was meant to give you this emotional connection i i still didn't feel like i knew Jin. i i wish they had shown us a little bit more of you know when, when she goes to the rebel alliance and they describe her as an outlaw and and they start listing some of her deeds i wish we had seen a little bit of her in that in-between time um so that we mm -hmm. could see what she's actually like um rather right. than just her as the prisoner and getting rescued because we see her as a little girl, and you're invested in little girl, Jen. Like, then she's suddenly an adult, and you don't know her anymore. And it's like, why do I care about you now? What are you doing that matters? Yeah, and then I have the problem with uh, Cassian that, you know, in one of his early scenes, he's meeting the contact in uh, at the trading outpost, and they're telling him, oh, you know, they've created this Death Star. And then Cassian shoots the stormtroopers. And then the guy's like, hey, I can't escape. I can't climb. And then Cassian just shoots him. And so I'm like, okay, was this like a, a murder that just happened here? Was this a mercy killing so that he wouldn't get captured? Was this just to save Cassian's own skin? You know, and so like it puts into doubt his character. And then he's taking the assignment to go and assassinate um, Jin's father and isn't telling anybody about that though he's following orders at that point but it, it's taken away my faith in him i don't i don't have any reason to trust this guy and then at the end they want me to cry over him as this nuclear sunset is coming over them and and uh you know i just it, it, i needed more of him early uh to really buy into wanting that character to live and be invested there yeah, I, I agree. That was a really weird way to start off his character, I think. I mean, you look at, I don't know, this is sound like another weird co comparison, but uh, Flynn Rider in, uh, in Tangled, you know, that he's somebody that we immediately kind of have a certain degree of affection for. You know, we know he's a, he's a bad, you know, he's stealing stuff, but 
I don't know. He's the narrator. We're sort of immersed uh, in his in his story. Uh, and, you know, we get to learn, you know, that he's Eugene and we get to learn about his past and how he grew up. And we just don't get any of that from him, almost any of these characters, except for Jim. No. We, we don't. Get well, even think about like Finn and Ray. Mm -hmm. They part of it is they're loaded with personality. The writing is really well done. And then the acting, the performances are really amazing. And you like them almost immediately. You don't need to know a ton about them to like them. And we didn't, I don't feel like we got that from anyone in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do agree. All right. Well, let's, um, yeah. So did you miss the opening crawl? That's a big controversy. And I, I did. I, I, it just doesn't have that gravitas that I want from a Star Wars movie. Like it just sort of, it draws you in, especially because this isn't a world that we have been in for a while, unless you happen to watch Star Wars Rebels or something like that. So I felt like I need almost needed that little bit of explanation to kind of set the scene. You know, I guess I had read Catalyst, but like I was reading uh, one of the comic books yesterday. Uh, it was uh, Vader Down. It's called Super Good. But even the comic book has a crawl at the beginning. <laughs> like I, so I just feel like. <laughs> Yeah, and so I missed it. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? Did you miss it? I, I'll say I did. Um, I, I feel like it's a really useful tool for for setting the stage, and it worked really well for all of the Star Wars movies um, that have used it. Um, you know, regardless of how good the movie was, they were able to kind of explain where we are in the narrative because this is a saga. It's been going on for, you know, forever. And we need to have something to tell us where we are in time. And um, this is actually kind of a crucial time um, to... And so I think it would have been really beneficial um, in the uh, what they ended up doing. They started out with just kind of this... Um, shot of a planet and um, I remember the music and, and maybe we'll get to this a little bit later but it, they just started with this big heavy downbeat like a like a thump or a th you know it was just it was really loud it was kind of jarring and I didn't like it <laughs> I was just like oh that that kind of hurt um, so if that's what they're doing instead of the crawl um, definitely would prefer the crawl yeah I, I don't know it just felt like you just missed that gravitas to kind of draw you in right away. I have, I have, I think, an unpopular opinion about the crawl. Uh -huh. I feel the same way about the crawl that I feel about, like, a prologue in a book. Okay. I'm just like, no, I don't need it. You don't need it. <laughs> like, tell I me. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> really? If you're a good storyteller, you can give me all of the information that I need in the story. Yeah. Like, it just should, I don't know, I think it's weak storytelling to put a crawl or a prologue at the beginning of something. Like, either tell me the story or don't, but don't tell me a short other story before you tell me the real story. Yeah. That's annoying. That, that, that's, it's fair, because I, I do admit that like, I personally, I really don't like it in a biopics when they have, like, the little scroll at the end, like, telling you, like, just tell, I, I feel like that's the sort of the way of being, like, we couldn't fit all the story in, so here's the rest, you know, and I'm like, it, it just sort right. of, I just don't like it. 
And uh, and so I normally I'm with you, but uh, I'm just I guess attached to it. Maybe it just takes some getting used to. But Tom makes a good point in the con in the chats. He says, "Not sure we would have missed the crawl if we'd fallen in love with the characters." Mm, so I think that's point. A, a solid. That's a solid point. Tell me a good story. That's all I ask. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. I think they made the wrong decision. I know it was tough for them. They really debated, but they should have had the crawl, I think. But um, especially if you're going to have so much fan service, give us the crawl. If you're going to have C-3PO and, and R2-D2 in there for no reason, then you should have the crawl. <laughs> that was so dumb. <laughs> Not to mention the uh, two uh, aliens from the cantina from A New Hope. Yeah, there was all kinds of stuff like that. <laughs> oh, you're a nerd. I'm... <laughs> Yeah. Nice that you got that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's an interesting question. I feel like, what do you think? So we know that, that Disney and Marvel have a very specific strategy about how they want to sort of market their Marvel films for, uh, for kids and for adults and for everybody. Um, and, you know, with their cinematic universe and everything like that. Now, with Star Wars, what do you think their strategy is? This seems like, you know, a certain degree, it seems like a bold choice for Disney, who's a, you know, a family company to do this war film. And, and, uh, and I know you had said some things about what Lorena thought of it and, and what you kind of thought, uh, Jeremy. And so I was just curious what you guys kind of felt like um, maybe Disney is kind of thinking with Star Wars and what sort of their strategy is. What do you think? So uh, first I'll say, um, as an adult viewer, I've, I've really enjoyed the last two films. Um, but um, as far as targeting the child demographic, I really think they should have stayed PG uh, for Force Awakens and for Rogue One. Um, you know, the, that was the great thing about Star Wars. Um, up until episode three, they were all PG. And, you know, which typically is meant family friendly. Um, when it came to Force Awakens, um, we went and saw it and we felt that at the time it was not appropriate for our six-year-old to uh, go see. So she was not able to see that one. And that was mainly due to the uh, personal um, violence, really. There was, um, you know, just uh, Kylo Ren, that the killing of Han Solo. Oops, spoiler alert. Um, you know, that was... Uh, <laughs> A really visceral death, um, and just up close and personal, um, you know, him uh, telling at the beginning of the movie, Kylo orders the stormtroopers to kill all the villagers who were just standing there in the middle, helpless. Um, and then the Rathars on uh, that Han Solo and, and Chewbacca were uh, smuggling, you know, that's a, that's a pretty uh, terror-inducing creature there for nightmares. Um, so those were several reasons why we didn't have our daughter watch that movie. Um, and that's unfortunate because, you know, I, I think you could have made it less scary. Again, as an adult, I appreciated it, um, but I would love to have every Star Wars movie be uh, kid-friendly. Going into Rogue One, um, I heard a lot of uh, online chatter saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to take my kids to this one. Um, but I felt like a lot of the a lot of the violence in this was a lot less personal. Um, partly maybe that's due to the disconnection between us and the characters. Yeah. Um, but also there was no, um, you know, aside from uh, Vader 
uh, right near the end there, there was no like up close and personal killing. Um, and even when he did, uh, you saw a saber thrust through the door. Um, you didn't actually see it go through a person. Um, you know, and yeah. so, and, and it also wasn't anybody you cared about. So I didn't have a problem taking my daughter to this one. Yeah. Well, it's not a hero's journey like the uh, Force Awakens is. Force Awakens yeah. is, a, is a hero's journey. And, and so I, I do feel a lot more personal connection. And so that, that makes the violence always harder to take for sure. That's, that's, I think that's true. I do think there's some value in the fact that, like one of the things Disney has, has done that's so great, I think, over the years is they have they have dipped their toes in lots of different genres. And whether it's uh let's see, is that me? Sorry, can you are you getting any static? I am. I think it's me. I'm not hearing it. Oh. Sorry. Um, okay. Well the the um uh, Sorry. I'm pretty sure it's me. My headphones, my headset is kind of messed up, I think. Here, let me... oh, I can see mine is, uh, mine's popping all over the place when I'm not talking. There. Okay, that's, I'll just turn off the mic just while, uh, while I'm talking. Um, and so, anyway, uh, there, one of the things Dizzy does that's really cool is, if you wanted to introduce your kid to horror movies, you can watch Watcher in the Woods or something Wicked This Way Comes or they have horror movies in Disney. You could watch Frankenweenie, you know, whatever it might be. If you wanted to introduce your kids to sci-fi, they have uh, they have The Black Hole, they have uh, Tron, they have sci-fi films. Uh, if you want to introduce, you know, your kid to fantasy, they got Star Wars, they've got, uh, you know, different, they've got Oz the Green Powerful. There's just different films. And so I, I think that in this way, it's kind of cool because I think that this is the first Disney, if you wanted to introduce your kid to a war film, this is one of the first that I can think of that they did. And so in a way, it's kind of neat, uh, neat in that regard. Yeah, um, I was honestly really surprised. I, sh I guess I shouldn't have been when Disney took on Star Wars. Because uh, you're right, they don't, not every single thing they do is for five-year-olds, you know? I think we kind of have that in our heads that, like, oh, if it's Disney, my five-year-old should be able to watch it. But mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. And uh, yeah. I appreciate that they took it on because Disney knows how to tell a story. Yeah. And so even in this one... Where we're kind of like, eh, as compared to some of the other Star Wars, they still told a pretty solid story. And it looked good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andre brought up in the chat room Operation Dumbo Drop. So I, I stand corrected. There have been Disney War movies. <laughs> <laughs> Never quite like this before. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's interesting uh, from them. I, it does, like I said, it feels like a surprising choice. That they would pick this for this for the first uh, standalone standalone film, I think. But so that's kind of cool. Uh, I, I like I like it that they took a risk. I wish that they had had taken even more risk, and I wish that it had just been a better script. I just wish. But anyway, okay, let's move on. Um, so, what did you think of Jin as the as the protagonist? 
as the main protagonist. And I know that people are always talking about how Ray is a Mary Sue, and I think that is just nonsense. Uh, and I, I think that for me, Ray was somebody that, partly because of Daisy Ridley's great performance, I just bonded with very quickly. And I really wanted to see where her journey ended. And I still want to see where her journey's ending. And I, I really thought she was a great character. I think she had a few Mary Sue moments that maybe were a little too easy. But overall, as a character, I really liked her. Now, with Jin, I think that she's fine. I wasn't as attached to her as I was with Ray, uh, Partly because, uh, I don't know. I mean, she just doesn't have the same relationships as as Ray had with Finn, you know, or, or BB-8 even, or where you just, uh, that's how you sort of bond with characters a little bit is through them bonding with, with other characters and you kind of feel for their, their relationships and their dialogue and their, and you just didn't have enough of that with Jin, but I, I still liked her. Mm -hmm. I thought she was the best character in the movie aside from maybe K2SO. Yeah. I liked Jin also, but I agree. She just didn't have the charisma that uh that daisy ridley yeah had as uh ray and i'm i don't know i wasn't rooting for her the way that i was rooting for ray yeah well and i think part of that is uh with with ray we got to see a glimpse of what her current life is like you know, like, what's her day-to-day -day routine? Like, you, you got to know her. And also, she had the moment where she saved BB-8. And you immediately fall in love with Ray at that moment. Because um, yeah. you can see how good she is. Um, and BB-8 never... is adorable and, like, you really want him to be <laughs> saved, you know? Yeah. And we never, but we never get that moment with Jin. Uh, we never get to see, again, it, it comes down to the character development. I think had we gotten a little more background, had we gotten to know her better, had we, had we gotten to see the good in her, um, you know, at the beginning of the story, we'd have the buy-in, we'd have, you know, I think she would have been, um, could have been as, uh, I could have been as invested in her as I am in Ray, but I just didn't get there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's she suffered from the same problem as the rest of the characters in the film that she wasn't developed. Yeah, Andre says I love Jin. A character point that no reviewers bring up is that she left Sagarera's group because of her ethical objections of where he was going. I had no idea about any of that. I've seen the movie twice. <laughs> I, I was going to say I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I guess that's why they didn't bring it up because the movie was <laughs> very clear and clear about that. Uh, I didn't, I mean, I know that, uh, that Saw Gerrera was a, an extremist, uh, but I never got the sense that Ray had any problem with that or that's why she had no, and, and with, uh, with the rewatch today, all I recall from it was, um, she was angry with him for stranding her when she was 16 asked him why and he said it was because of her father the people were starting to ask questions because he worked for the empire and uh but he had praised her saying she was the best uh best in his cadre mm. um but anyway i, I didn't yeah. get any of that either i was so confused like sagarera i don't know like i was just totally baffled by that character throughout the first like up until they finally go see him because I was like, is he a good guy? Because he saved her. 
Or is he a bad guy because he was totally scary and about to kill that dude? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, I was very confused by him as well. I, and, and I couldn't understand him half the time. That was a problem. Like, I don't know what it is with these blockbusters because I had the same problem with Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, where these characters are mumbling like this and they think that's like, <laughs> they think that's somehow like a, a, a character trait to mumble, but I can't. I, I need I, I have to be able to understand what your character is saying. And yeah. yeah, I was very confused about him. I was very confused. Like, what is he doing? I guess I learned that it was the pilot's name was Bodie, but I was very confused. I'm like, is the is is Bodie bad? Is he good? Is Saw bad? Is he good? Is that supposed to be I guess uh, Tom was saying in the chat room he was saying there is moral ambiguity. So I guess that could be like a good thing, but like I there's don't know. too much. Like everybody has moral ambiguity. Like I don't know who I'm rooting for here. I mean, you know, you want uh, what's her face to win, Jen. I remember her name so well after seeing it once. Um, <laughs> well, and do you like, really I want moral? I remind myself of people's names. Like who is the main? Oh yeah, her name is Jin. And who's her father again? Because it's something kind of like Jin. Oh yeah, it's Galen. Like yeah. I shouldn't have to remind myself who the characters are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I I can't say exactly what what they were trying to do with Sagarera. The best I can come up with is they're trying to just show kind of what war does to you over time. Like. I mean, just this guy's been fighting the same battle for most of his life, and you can see it's taken limbs, it's taken part of his mind, he can't trust anybody anymore, he is, you know, part of the rebellion, but he's so extreme that he's, um, you really become a separate entity, and they can't trust him, um, and he doesn't trust anybody else, so the best I can say is they're trying to show what war can do to you over time, but that's all I got. But it, I don't feel like the message in that was clear. Like, it was just, I just was spending all my time trying to figure out what the heck was going on rather than understanding whatever message they were trying to send with that. Yeah, to me, to me, his only purpose was they needed a way for uh, Galen, like Galen had to get a message out to somebody. Right. And so they had to have somebody because Jin's whereabouts were unknown. So they had to have somebody who did have known whereabouts that could be a connection between them. Mm -hmm. um, and so they just used Sa as that person. I mean, I guess he wasn't aware of like Mon Mothma or any of the other rebels or like, why wouldn't he send him there? Yeah, that's what, it was weird. Cause Sarver, I didn't, like, I wasn't even sure what side he was on to, for a while, honestly. <laughs> yeah. and, well, well, and two, to be fair, Galen may not be aware of of Mon Mothma and the others. I, you know, I don't know. I didn't read the uh, the uh, free yeah. story, whatever you read. Um, but uh, I don't. You know, we don't know how long this rebellion, this alliance, has been around. It seems kind of tentative. Like even when they came together in this movie, they were all like, "Well, some people don't want to do this. Some people do. So we're not going to do anything." It doesn't seem like they've. Uh, you know, been at it that long. Um, so it, it's possible with Galen stuck in the Empire for that long that this is newer than he is. Mm -hmm. um, so, but Saw is is what he remembers. Fair enough. 
yeah, Andre says, I liked that this movie was made at exactly this point in time with all that is happening in Syria. So it's kind of interesting, I guess. Compare Saw to ISIS, he said earlier. So interesting. Um, yeah, I found that Saw was a very confusing character. It wasn't very well developed. And I, and you know, you get that sort of torture scene, which was just kind of because we just met. We, well, we hadn't even met him. We have no idea who this person is. And he's being tortured. And yeah, so that was confusing. But um, anyway, let's move on. Let's see here. My next question. Okay, so then we get introduced to some of these other rogue team members. I guess, did what did you think there's... I. They all have names, but like I basically called them... <laughs> there's the blind guy. There's the guy who shoots a lot. Uh, there's Cassian. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> I'm glad you know them by that because if you said their names, I would not hear what you're talking about. Um, did any of them stand out to you? Did you like any of them at all? I really like. Well, first off, my absolute favorite in the movie is K two. Oh, yeah, um, he he had almost all the laughs uh, from me, and uh, for me, it was the second movie in a row where a droid stole the show for me yeah. um, with BB eight and K two. I, I don't know what it is, but I love the I love this humor uh, just throughout. So he was my uh, he was my favorite part of the first watch. Yeah. Um, then. Uh, uh, Chirrut, he's the blind one. I really liked him as a a being who is obviously force sensitive. As you know, he's not able to manipulate the force, but he's able to feel it and he's able to use it and, and really follow its will. Um, they did mention uh, Cassian mentioned uh, to Jin as they're passing. She's like, "Who are those guys?" And he he said that they were guardians of the temple of the Kyber crystals, and. Uh, I really yeah. liked this as a as a force sensitive man who is not a Jedi, um, but just the ability to feel it, kind of like Maz Kanata. Um, you know, she has a connection to the force; she can feel it, um, but you know, not a Jedi. See, um, first watch through, I actually had to ask Jeremy as we were leaving the theater, like, "What is up with that dude? He's obviously not a Jedi, but why does he know the force?" Like, I had totally missed kind of guard of whatever Jedi thing. Um, well, they, they, but I also felt like he was, I mean, he was, I felt like he was a little bit of a Mary Sue. Like that was super easy for him. Like he doesn't even, he can't manipulate the force, but I don't know. Well, he has some kind of weird magic. It was confusing. Like there's a trope in movies where, and this is what I felt like it was, where it's like the, uh, the mystical superpowered disabled person. I don't know what, what the actual name is, <laughs> but you know, you've got like the blind person who could like do all these amazing things or whatever. And, and I felt like it was a little like that. I'm like, because it doesn't make sense with anything that I know about the force in all the movies I've seen in the books I've read and everything like that. I've never seen anybody be able to walk through an array of blaster fire and, and just, it just, recite i am the force i am the force is me i am the force the force is me that's not the way the force works like i kept thinking han solo there that's not the way that the force works like i was really confused by that like what <laughs> so so to me I, I feel like if he were if he lived in a different era maybe he would have been trained to be a jedi um you know i think Jedi's of it as couldn't do that but well, well i i think of it as like in a new That's hope true. 
um, when Luke is, you know, on his final run. Oh, spoiler alert! He uh, ends up blowing up the Death Star. Um, so as he's as he's in the final run there. Um, and he has the voice of Obi-Wan, you know, use the force, Luke. And then it's actually the force that guides Luke's actions. And I think that's the component that Chirrut has is he's able to feel the will of the force and follow that. And so um, in a very unique way, and maybe it's partly because he's blind that he's, you know, he's, you know, using other senses so much and he's actually developed a very strong connection to the force and like, following its will. And yes, he does the silly chant, um, but I don't think that's really um, that much of what's going on. Um, I think he's just developed this really keen sense of being able to go where the force is willing him to go. Yeah. See, but to me, okay, I know it seems insane to say anything seems far-fetched in a space <laughs> opera. <laughs> but they have to work but within the rules that they've set up. Right. I, I mean, that's like why it I fit in the context of the other Star Wars. I mean, that's why I hated McClorans, is it didn't work within like the, the world that he'd set up. All of a sudden, they're introducing, you know, I mean, so it's not like, I, I don't know. I just felt like this doesn't work with what we understand about the Force, you know, like McClorans doesn't work with what I understand about the Force. This doesn't work. <laughs> right. Uh, I bet Chirrut sure had a pretty high midichlorian count. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because he had set up this whole like mysticism kind of power of the force, and then suddenly it's science. Yeah. It's just science, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, some people did bring out in the chat room, uh, there are a lot of movies that they were definitely sort of playing homage to in this movie, like The Dirty Dozen, the um, uh, Magnificent Seven, which like, and Seven Samurai, like every movie I feel like plays homage to Magnificent Seven these days. But, um, uh, you know, especially in the ending with Magnificent Seven. Uh, and so it's not like it's unprecedented kind of the, the way the characters are done and the way things are done. I, I guess I kind of get it, but that's why I say if you want to go to just like an action movie, it's fine. But if you're looking for a Star Wars movie where you really love the characters, then... Like, it kind of, can... as they're going into the end, as they go on their little mission, it kind of had the feel, not that I've seen a lot of these, but it sort of felt like a team superhero movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Tom brings up a good point in the chat room. He says, this movie needed a Tom Hanks guy. That is so true. It needed somebody like that that was sort of, I don't know, you just, you just, immediately bond with Tom Hanks. I don't care if he's playing like a murderer. You immediately are like, I love Tom Hanks. You kind of need that. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Well, and alternatively, if, if they had made Saw Gerrera just be this older, helpful gentleman, you know, instead of the crazy loon he was, he could have, instead of staying to die, he could have joined the group and gone along and been that character. Yeah. I, agree. I don't know. I feel like any number of these characters could have been that character, but they just weren't. Because yeah. if you think about the original Star Wars, like we know so much about Han Solo within the first conversation that he has with Greedo and them hiring him to, to for the, um, you know, we know we learn about the parcel runs. We learn about just so much about his personality and style and everything like that. And so it, it can happen in a very short period of time. Um, but this, 
like I didn't even know their names. Like I said, I <laughs> about an hour and a half in, I'm like, who is Bodie? I have no idea who that is. Um, I still didn't know who Bodie was until you guys were talking about him. I was like, oh, oh, that's who Bodie is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said something because I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um. Sorry, the stupid uh, Google Hangout isn't switching over to people, so I'm trying to do it as we talk, but um, so sorry about that. But um, okay, so um, doo -doo -doo, let's see. So K2SO uh, and the other humor in the movie, uh, it, we've already kind of established that we all liked that. Uh, why do you think that that worked so well? And why does that work so well in Star Wars? Because to me, I feel like... Because people are always sort of annoyed when you criticize, let's say, Batman v Superman and say that it wasn't fun. And people are like, oh, why does it have to be fun? Well, it's not that it has to be, like, stupid. It has to be, it's that, it's that when it feels, I think what people mean when they say, when they say it wasn't fun, it means that they didn't enjoy the experience. <laughs> Right, you know, and so if if it's if it's dark and they you know they're like, oh that was so cool that was really cool then then they had fun right and so it doesn't mean it has mm -hmm. to be silly but I think that uh, the, the the humor in Star Wars make it a more enjoyable experience they right. they kind of you know they it stops it taking itself so seriously they, I mean that's a problem that you had with say Phantom Menace is that because the humor didn't work. It feels it just feels like so much more of a slog because Jar Jar is so mm -hmm. bad, and <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. What do you think, uh, Jeremy? As far as why do you think the humor works in Star Wars? I I just think they they strike a really good balance of, you know, if it was all drama all the time, I think it would it would just get old. Um, and the the humor, you know, it just helps provide a balance. You know, like, you know, they're all about balancing the force. Well, they balanced humor and drama in the series um, quite well. And um, I think in this in this movie, it was a little too much on K two. Um, there was uh, Chu had the one line about when they uh, put the bag over his head, and he's like, "Really?" <laughs> um, that was funny. You know, uh, but almost the rest of it uh, was all on K2, and I feel like they could have uh, found some more sources, but I felt like he was a really, uh, his, uh, he was a really great fit, you know, just being this droid who's been reprogrammed, and, uh, you know, this is kind of a side effect is he has this really odd personality, um, and it's hilarious. I love it, and, and I've met similar droids uh, in uh, Star Wars video games, um, and it's it's a great it's a great tool, and it was great for this movie. Um, but I think I think humor should always have a place in Star Wars, um, just uh, not the way they did it in episodes one and two. What this movie was missing was banter. So yes. K2 was funny on his own, but I felt like I kind of got sick of it. I was kind of like. Okay, he has a one-liner for seriously everything. This is a little over the top. And how come no one else has a one-liner? <laughs> I mean, like, in the original Star Wars movies, we have Han, who has a lot of humor. Yeah. And he and Chewie together have a ton of humor. We have the droids, and each of them has their own humor, plus they have humor together. Like, there's well, a lot Leia. of banter. 
Yeah. Well, if you think about uh, the scene in in Return of the Jedi when they think C three PO is the god, and like, you know, <laughs> that that's a really good comparison, I think, because it's the same kind of like flat kind of like he takes everything completely at face value, just like K two S O. It's it's very similar. I did like a lot how K two S O probably more than any other droid. Like, he mattered. I mean, R2-D2 really matters to the plot. But, like, the way that he sacrificed himself that way. Like, that was more, I think, it mattered more or in a different way than the droids have ever mattered before. Which was really cool, I thought, to see. When his was the... What bothered me, though, was he said, they asked him, what kind of droid are you? What's your purpose? And he's like, oh, I'm a strategic analyst. And his strategic analysis skills are so useless. Like, <laughs> oh, you have a 32% chance of dying right now. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> How did that help me at all? <laughs> well, in fairness, though, that was like the worst designed databank in history. Like, what on earth? Like, why would you design a databank where you have to, like, it's like this huge <laughs> tower. And, like, you have to, like... <laughs> Like, oh my gosh. Although I did think about uh, about uh, the um uh, the the uh, long t- what did you call them, Jeremy? The long tunnels of uh, the uh, the Star Wars long- bottomless pit. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, they got to throw. They got one in there. Yeah. <laughs> it cracked me up too that they have the okay. So okay, we have this huge, poorly designed databank. <laughs> with all these, you know, like Atari cartridges in them, and um, <laughs> and it's insanely tall, and you can only get them out by mechanical means. Like they didn't plan for the contingency that. Well, I, power and they, might go also, out they, or... they also build the uh, the the uh, the alignment switches like way on the other side. Why would you do that? Why? <laughs> you have to go all the way across the thing. Like it reminded me of, uh, it reminded me of the the this episode of The Simpsons where where Homer has to turn off the uh, or he has to like admit the gas or whatever of this of the power plant, and he has to like go up onto the onto the the tank or whatever, and he has to climb up this ladder and go all the way over, and the turn off is like in the middle. (laughs) 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 Or they had like a funny joke with that in this year's Storks. Where to turn off the baby making machine that like the the switch is like there's like all these like blades and like these like all these things <laughs> and they have to be like <laughs> they, like, get to like wow. why did they design it that way I don't know so yeah. so I will say um, because you know, K2 was actually the only death I cared about the first time I watched the movie yeah um, he was you know I I actually. I felt that one the first time around, but again, he kind of, he had a lot of screen time, but then he actually showed the growth um, that you want to see from the characters where he starts out like he, he talks a big game, you know, and he doesn't, you know, he, he kind of acts like, you know, I don't care about you, Jen. I'm only doing this because the captain says, but then in the end, you know, and, and maybe it was just because the captain said, Hey, you need to stand here and defend us. But he did. He he knew. He knowingly sacrificed himself to further the mission, and yeah. that uh, just the humanizing of him, um, it it was great, and it was impactful even on the first watch for me. I agree. 
I really liked that. That was really I liked his his character was really good and uh and definitely needed for the story for sure. Okay. So all right, so the story splits into Saw and the Rebels fighting in Jeddah, and then finding Galen and fighting in Edu, and then getting the plans in Scarif. And so there are sort of three acts, I guess, to the thing. Um, so I guess we talked a little bit about it, but I don't know. Did either of these three acts work better for you and then the others? I'll go first. For me, the and I think maybe we'll all agree, is that that third act was really the 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 one that worked because the first act was pretty pretty boring and i was just because i i didn't know under i didn't understand saw and i didn't understand what was going on and so i just was like kind of playing the head bobbing game a little bit and then the second act it gets a little better because there is that nice moment between Jin and her father that i i liked um but uh, but then I mean it was sad, but I I thought it was well done, and then the the third act is when we get the pretty awesome action sequence that was fun. So uh, that that for me was where it worked. I don't know. Um, uh, what did you think, Abby? Uh, I agree with you there. Um, a weird and confusing for me too. Mm-hmm. Like when what's his face was gonna go kill Galen, I was like. I, I kept having to turn to Jeremy and ask him what was happening. I was like, why is he going to kill him? I don't understand this. Yeah. Well, yeah. well Cassian had gotten secret orders from the rebel general to, to kill uh, Urso. Oh, somehow I missed that. And then they, and then when, when uh, Galen dies, I felt like that was a moment that I was like, I should be really sad, but I'm not. And that was kind of disappointing. But by the third act, I mean, you head into that third act and it looks really cool and there's lots going on and mm-hmm. their plans, their strategy as far as getting in there is pretty pretty interesting and, and clever. And uh, they have a lot that goes right for them. Just enough that, that it's believable, but uh-uh. you're also worried that each little piece of the plan is not going to work. Yeah. Well, and you're just not really 100% sure 100% sure what the plan is cuz they cuz like at least mm-hmm. for the Force Awakens, like my I said in my review that I felt like Force Awakens had like a clear focused plot from the beginning to the end. There's a few little tangents, but for the most part, it's from the very beginning you learn from the crawl that they're trying to find Luke. And that, you know, the BB-8 has this piece of the map from Poe that he was told, that we know is the key to finding Luke. And so the whole time we're getting, we're getting uh, um, BB-8 to the rebels. And so there's just this clear sort of focus. Yeah, that's how I feel at least. And whereas this like they even meet with the rebel alliance and the rebel alliance refuses their plan mm-hmm. refuses and so it's and and so it's this it's this rogue group or whatever but because of that i think you're never really sure what exactly it is that they're they're going to do yeah i think it's partly just the nature of the story but i think i think each piece could have been more clear yeah 
Yeah. Because, yeah, we we weren't going to know the end goal from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It's not that kind of story. There were, like, things all along the way that led us to that final one. But it wasn't that clear what each of those was. Yeah. It was kind of like, what are you doing and why are you here and what's the next move? Yeah. I do feel like Jin, I finally started to feel like, okay, she has a personality when she uh, spoke up at the rebel base or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. She like gave a speech. So I actually that have was a the first moment that I was like, oh, she's kind of cool. I felt like that's something we needed a little preparation for because it's not in fitting with anything we've seen from her um, in the movie to that point. I mean, we know that she's an outlaw. She's basically being coerced to do this. They're saying you need to do this or we'll just send you back to prison. Um, and then she's got this rousing speech about why we should all be doing this. And I just don't, I don't buy it. Um, I wish again, we'd had a little more development, maybe seen her leading, you know, whatever her, uh, whatever her past life had been, she was in trouble with the empire, forging you know, imperial, uh, imperial documents and different things. So I'd like to see her leading elsewhere before I'm gonna buy this you know, great speech that's been resting inside of her. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, th I have a feeling that a lot of that scene was in reshoots because a lot of what we saw in the trailer wasn't included in the, uh, um, in the actual movie. I'm trying to think what was the quote in the trailer. There was a lot in the trailer that was not included in this movie. And uh, I, the, you know, they were, there was a big talk about the reshoots, reshoots, reshoots. But I think that particularly sort of this last half was where we got a lot of those reshoots. And, uh, and because I just felt like that was the ones where you had a lot of missing, missing scenes. But yeah, um, she did say, uh, I'm a rebel. I rebel. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's that was it. That was good they got rid of that line, though. That's pretty cute line. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, the biggest thing I was missing from the trailer was uh, when she was up on the platform at the end and the TIE fighter is, like, eye-to-eye -eye with her. I, I really wish I had gotten to see that scene. I don't know what it was going to do, but just to be confronted with the TIE fighter, I'm curious what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it kind of brings up the next point that I was going to ask is, uh, so the trailer made me feel we were going to get a little bit more of Darth Vader than we got. And he was so awesome. Uh, it was great, but man, <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, like, wow. I was like, I turned to Jeremy and I was like, is it bad that I'm rooting for Vader in this scene? Like when he just like comes through and rolls heads. Yeah. That was awesome. It was so good. And I, I and somebody in, in comments or Twitter or something was saying like that now it had been after Rogue One it established that, that, that Darth Vader is the greatest villain of all time. And I, I responded, I said, that hadn't already been established. Like, really? <laughs> we needed more clarification on that. That's but, funny. oh, it was so cool. And I, I wanted more. I could have used more. Yeah. Like, oh, it would have been so cool to see, like, uh, I don't know, like him maybe face off against these particular rebels. Like, he never really met any of them or, or like, fought any of them or anything like that. That would have been so cool. 
Yeah, I think it would actually be kind of neat to, and I've seen a lot of people calling this week for a, a Darth Vader movie, you know, um, just as ha having one of these standalones. And I would love to honestly see um, kind of between episodes three and four again, but earlier as, uh, ep you know, Order 66 has gone out and just to see Vader leading these uh, extermination marches to find the remaining Jedi, I think it'd be a great a time when it, the Empire is like getting set up and really starting to strike fear in people. You know, he's got a huge reputation in A New Hope and I, I think we'd all like to see like what he uh, did to earn that reputation. Yeah, I there's a novel. Uh, if you're only going to read one of the Star Wars books, because they're actually pretty good, they're actually pretty well done. But um, uh, the uh, the one there's one called Lords of the Sith, which is all about. It's told from Vader's perspective. You're in his head, and he's there with the Emperor, and he ends up kind of crash landing on this uh, on this planet, and it's awesome. It's really intense. It's really bloody, and uh, it's pretty brutal, but it's really good. And I would, yeah, I would totally, after reading Lords of the Sith and seeing him here and a little bit in Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, you see him. And so I would totally be up for seeing a Darth Vader movie. I think that would be awesome. So. I, and I will say, uh, I'll agree with your, uh, most of your assessment of from this film. I, I think actually minimizing how much he was in it increased his impact you know he wasn't diluted uh, across you know too many scenes and uh, what was there was amazing and left us wanting more and i think that's a great place to leave us as an audience um i actually really appreciated uh, the first time we see him um in his little temple on mustafar um which was they didn't actually come out and say that's where it was but you know I'll say 99% sure that's, you know, where his temple is. And just to see, like, he built this monument or had it built um, on the place where um, he was so, you know, where he lost the battle to Obi-Wan and lost his limbs and became who he is. And I just think it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, it was really impactful to me to see that temple built on that site. And this is where he is um, just by himself, basically. Yeah. Um, and so for Koenig to come over there, I, I really liked the scene. I, I didn't like the ending, though, the uh, choke on your aspirations line. Um, oh, that was a big groaner. <laughs> um, but, but the rest of it I really liked. Um, and, of course, the scene right at the end is he almost gets the plans. Um, and, again, that, that, that very last rebel who, who passes him through the door, like, you feel for him. Like, this guy, you know, he thinks he's getting out, and, and he knows it's so important and he just is able to barely get them through and, and gives up his life to do it and um his sacrifice unfortunately his sacrifice we don't know him he's like rebel number 10 um and uh we care about his death as much as some of the people from rogue one that's true uh yeah i mean as I don't know. It's just like, I guess because I had that emotional investment, I already have that emotional investment in Vader. So, like, it, it, it didn't need to be, I don't know, like, that was probably the sort of the most, some of the most affecting moments of the whole, of the whole movie. Um, so, let's see here. We did get some really good comments that I'd read real quick. Uh, Andre says, Jin goes from just don't look up when says, uh, Cassian tells her 
what are you going to do when the flag of the empire floats everywhere in the galaxy to that big impactful speech in between she witnesses the destruction of the sacred city on Jeddah and the assassination of her father so interesting i i don't know if i necessarily saw that growth from her i should witness those things but i don't know if i saw it as much as andre did but that's cool um i saw it a little more the second time i think so um and uh tom suggests that we have a Darth Vader movie where he is a monster in a monster movie. So Darth Vader is Freddy Krueger, but with the twist that we're well familiar with his origins. Yeah, <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean that's kind of what Lords of the Sith is. It's really, it's really brutal, and so I, I'd be up for that. What? Why not? <laughs> um, okay, so here we go. This is sensitive sensitive topic and i guess we should say that uh we're definitely our thoughts prayers are with carrie fisher uh tonight she had a, a heart attack i guess today i don't know if you knew that uh, yeah that was really really so, sad to hear about that so we're very concerned and, and thinking about her uh but we got this cgi tarkin and this cgi leia at the very end and I thought this was a terrible idea. I hated it. And I, I just, I, I feel almost, maybe this is overstating, but I almost feel sort of morally opposed to this. Because Peter Cushing died in like 1994, long time ago. And they did get permission from his estate and everything. But like, I feel awkward about this. Like, you know, like, are, what are we going to make? Like a new version of It's a Wonderful Life and there's going to be Jimmy Stewart, like CGI created that? That's just like... I just feel like, oh, I don't like where this is going. Like, this is very weird to me. And I, it, it wasn't, I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't think it looked that good. It looked okay at first, but then the more he kept talking, I was like, what's wrong with him? And, and, uh, <laughs> I think, I think part of what's creepy about it is you're like, I know, you know, it's not really him. I didn't, I hadn't heard about them. I didn't know ahead of time that they were going to do that. And looking at them, I was like, huh? I was just so <laughs> and a little creeped yeah. out. Like, what's happening? I don't understand. Did they put, like, weird makeup on someone? Or, like, I no, have it, to say, I, I think that impressed with the rendering. It really is fairly good. But it's just off enough that you're like a little freaked out by it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not fooling anybody. We're, we're not to the point where, uh, like, you're still looking at it. And, and as the viewer, I know this is not a real person in front of me. And so you're losing me um, in this story. And I'm just focused on the fact that there's an animated figure around the real people. Um, <laughs> And so, it, and I had the same problem in Force Awakens uh, with uh, both Snoke and, uh, to a lesser degree, Ankar Plutt. I think you get a little more leeway with aliens, um, and not that we know what Snoke is for sure, but he, uh, yeah. problem with him on the first watch too. I will say the second watch, um, maybe it's just that I'm prepared for it, uh, both rewatching Force Awakens and rewatching Rogue One, I have less of a problem with the CGI characters um, on multiple rewatches. 
Um, but again, I don't, you know, with Tarkin, I, I feel like Tarkin had to be part of this film. Like he was such a, he was such a part of the command structure in uh, A New Hope that in some way he needed to be here. Um, but, you know, at the end of episode three, he was, you know, you, you see this like distance shot and you knew it was him. Um, I don't know if you could have done this movie from a distance with him and, and not had him as be, be as involved. Um, I still think uh, traditional makeup, you could have found an actor that you could have made look like him. You know, they do yeah. amazing practical makeup. Um well, even like find somebody who, because it's not like Peter Cushing is that unique of an actor looking. You know what I mean? It's not like he has some weird thing about him or whatever. He's yeah, like fairly standard British guy. And so, like, <laughs> I think that they could have found like, like, there's a guy on Game of Thrones that everybody's been showing pictures of that does look a lot like him that they could have used. Uh, or I don't know, like, nobody cares that we went from uh, from his name from the first guy playing uh, Rhodey in the first Iron Man movie I can think of his name uh, Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle in the second one no one cares it's the same character we all know we're not stupid and no, uh, yeah and I, w I would say too with with uh, Leia at the end uh, I think you could have done the same without her turning around yeah. you know it, it just I agree I fully expected her to just stay kind of cloaked and I would have been okay with that. And then she turns around and you're like, huh? She looked especially Cause, bad. Because she could have she just remained facing outward towards the stars and said, you know, hope. Okay? <laughs> that's um, that's all, you know, it brought us hope. And, and that line could have been enough. Um, but again, I, I think they, they put a lot more work into Tarkin because he had so much face time. Um, but... It, I just, you know, I, I don't get it. I, I wish they had just gone do practical makeup effects. I agree. So I have a question for you, Rachel, because sure. you, and I kind of am with you on, like, morally we're getting into a gray area here. Yeah. Um, how did you feel? Do you remember when they did, like, a hologram Michael Jackson at some awards show after he died? Oh, yeah, yeah. They did, like, a hologram, a 3D hologram dance thing. How did you feel about that? Uh, you know, like somebody, uh, Andre was mentioning in the, uh, oh, shoot. That's a little different, I think, because it's actually a recording of him dancing. Uh, yeah, somebody mentioned the Fred Astaire thing. Um, yeah, that's true. That is a recording of it. The, you know, I guess as a novelty thing for an award show, it still kind of creeps me out and it's sort of weird. But like, there's this movie and I don't really, it's, it's an R-rated animated film, so I can't say I recommend it. And it's not that good of a movie. But there's this movie called The Congress, where it's all about Robin Wright. She, they have this this technology where they can basically recreate a digital form of herself, but she's not allowed because she's not getting any parts as like a forty-year-old woman. And so okay. they, she basically like signs away her her rights, and so that she can keep being in movies and making money. And this digital version becomes her in the movies. And, uh, and so, anyway, the, it just made me think of it. It's like, you think that that's that far off. But, oh, my gosh, like, we're getting. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. No. And, uh, anyway, so, I don't know. I, I, I do kind of feel uncomfortable about it. And, you know, even if you get the estates, because uh, it just, 
I don't know. Like, we have so many... It doesn't seem like there's a good enough reason to do it. Yeah, like, we have so many actors trying to make it. I mean... And, uh, and I don't know, it's just not a real person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, 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 to shift a little bit, I, I will say one of the best things ever done for the Star Wars franchise was having Darth Vader in a mask that's permanent. Yeah, that's um, true. Because he can be portrayed by anybody at any time, as long as they're the right height, and as long as we have James mm-hmm. Earl Jones to do the voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was sort of weird, him being in that water vat at the beginning. I was like, it looked mm-hmm. like, it looked like Bane to me from Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, it's a, so it's a back to tank. It's, it's like healing. Yeah, they have Luke in one, uh, sometime. That's right, in Empire. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay, let's see here. Um, yeah, I thought that was a big miss. I would say, no, don't do that ever again. Um. All right, next question. So, do you think it connects with New Hope in a satisfying way? And did you like the ending? It was a pretty ballsy ending. I mean, I I, I figured that that's what they were going to have to do because none of these characters are in New Hope. But I still wondered if they'd kind of wimp out and maybe have, like, what I thought they might have them doing is some of the characters going to Alderaan because we know that that planet is blown up in the next one. But, But they didn't. They they did the brave ending, uh, so I don't know. What do you think, Abby, about the ending? I thought it was I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. I think it did tie to New Hope really nicely, um, and I was really like, I don't know. I was really invested by the end. I was really invested in those plans making it to the rebellion, and and it was fun knowing like really what it meant for all of this, for this whole franchise, for that for that to happen and and I thought that worked well and I I'm totally okay with them killing everybody. I'm totally good with it. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, I, I thought the connection to episode four was was great. I, I felt absolutely satisfied at the end. Um, the the only thing I really did not like was um, uh, Cassian and Jin sitting on the beach together holding each other like they don't have this relationship and um yeah that was a little dumb it was like they're forcing this uh romantic sunset and and so maybe okay so maybe that you know they have this last mission together is basically all they have because prior to it she was just really upset with him in act two for trying to kill her dad um and uh, then they they move on. They go they go do this mission and they get the plans. Um, and he gets injured, comes back and and uh, saves her by shooting Krennic. Okay. Um, and then they make their way back down to the beach. So is the saving saving her from Krennic at the end and going through this this mission together was that enough? Maybe it's the end of your life. You know, you you see the end is coming in a few seconds, and you're like, you know what? You're here. Glenn's hug. I don't know, but I, I I just wasn't buying the relationship that they were trying to show me. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have a problem with that, though, because, like, if I was just about to die, I would probably hug anybody who was there. Like, right. <laughs> Whoever was with me, if we both knew we were going to die, we'd probably hug. I don't think there's yeah. necessarily an implied romance there. There was some, like, implication of 
at least him being interested in her earlier. Yeah. There were some li- there were some lingering looks. I thought that kind of them. actually bothered me because I'm like, <laughs> like can we really this. not have a male and a female character <laughs> who don't fall in love? Like, not every man and every woman who ever do something awesome together fall in love. <laughs> yeah, it means Diego Luna though, Abby. I mean, come on. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. Uh, we never get Andrew. And, sorry, Andre says the writers were going to wimp out, but Kathleen Kennedy talked them out of it. Bodes well for future movies. So that's that's true. They do have a great administ, I guess administration, if you want to call it that, uh, over there at Lucasfilm now. That I, I really appreciate some of the bold thinking, and and they are trying. This was a risk, and I I don't want to. I feel like we've maybe come off across as too negative, which is not my intent. Because it's not a horrible movie. Uh, if there's anything... It's not just, even a bad movie. No, it's not a bad movie. It's just not as good as I wanted it to be. <laughs> it's not as good as... It's just as, not a super awesome movie. Exactly. It's just not one... I don't know. So... Well, well I th- the way I put it is, um, you know, I first, I don't agree with them doing one every year. I love Star Wars, but I think too many things, like too many video games and movies, franchises, they want to do one every single year, and every year they give us something that's a little bit crappy um, because it's it's rushed and it's put out every year. Um, I wish they would go to every two or three years and just make them awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, it's- so I, that's my own personal opinion, but if this is the level that they're going to do every year, I'm going to go see it every year and it's going to be a good movie. And you know, I, like if this is as low as it goes, I'm going to be happy with it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I kind of agree with you. Cause I think of like the planet of the apes movies, which in my opinion have been basically like practically flawless. They were both so good. And now we've got this next one coming and we've had, uh, next year, we've had three years, and I'm so primed. And uh, talk about just being ready for a war movie. And and so I, I think there is some truth to what you're what you're saying about sort of that anticipation and that weight and everything. And but yeah, I agree. The only thing about that is then once the movie comes, you really have to deliver. Yeah. Well, and that's the point is is to give yourself time to really develop develop a great movie and. Part of that is just time, you know, you, you take a couple of years to really flesh out the story and make sure it's what you want to do before you get into production. Yeah. I don't know. So I just, I just hope that they don't end up rushing and, and making, you know, making it so this was the best they could do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we've seen Star Wars much worse than this. Uh, so, uh, uh, but again, if we're if we're at this level, I think we're we're absolutely at a good place. Um, especially if they want to do every year and they maintain this, I'll absolutely be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. There's fun to be had here. It's an enjoyable thing. But uh, but yeah, for me, um, I uh, I I felt like I I, I do want to make one more comment quickly about I do feel like. The only thing I didn't like about them uh, leading up to New Hope was the C-3PO and R2-D2 moment. Because, like, wait a minute here. Because they find them on Tatooine. And, like, how did they find Like, where are they? Or, I think it's Tatooine that they're on. Yeah. No, they are on uh, Captain Antilles' ship. So they end up on the same ship as the plans are on. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
I'm so they they were we saw them at the rebel base, which makes sense because they had a, they showed Bail Organa saying, "I'm going to go get you know Captain Antilles and send him on a mission to go you know uh, basically go recover the plans." And uh, so they end up in the, they're in the right place. They they should have been at the base. It was fine, but I really think it was just so they've been in every single movie still. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of silly. All right, yeah. So my last question is, where would it rank right now for you guys in your Star Wars rankings? For me, because of the 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 characters, and I mean, I know that Revenge of the Sith has lots of flaws, um, but I cared more about the characters in that movie than I did about this. And so for me, it's my sixth favorite Star Wars movie, uh, underneath Revenge of the Sith, and then uh, Attack the Clones, and then Phantom Menace. So, I don't know. What, what do you guys what do you guys think? I'm not sure exactly where it fits, but it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like, it doesn't suck like episodes one and two with it, like, like The Force Awakens. It's somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, my uh, order was a little different than your guys', I think. Uh, obviously, one and two are at the bottom still, but... Um, uh, honestly, I'm trying to decide if it's better than Return of the Jedi or not, because um, mm-hmm. that was that was my next. That's my third from the bottom movie, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a toss up right now. I'd have to go back and watch uh, Jedi again and see, but it's it kind of in the same place. It's it's leap, you know, it's leaps and bounds ahead of episodes one and two, um, as far as watchability, you know. Um, this is a movie I'll, I'll buy and I'll go back and watch the prequels, you know, one, one and two specifically. I only watch when I review them online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, which one is Return of the Jedi again, Jeremy? Return of the Jedi. That is uh, Jabba the Hutt, Golden Bikini, um, uh, Second Death yeah, Star. Yeah, it's better than Return of the Jedi, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's that one was on just... Par. Yeah. I just I love the action in Jedi and I love that 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 whole segment between Darth Vader and and Luke is so good. No, it, it is great. Um I just think it struggled from that really long beginning which we which yeah. we discussed in that episode. Um and I this agree. this movie never dragged and that was it didn't not like not like Jedi did anyway. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh so let's see here. I and let's see Andres says Jeremy Ewoks, please. Also, the Emperor's. I actually like the Ewoks. I don't have a problem with the Ewoks. I think they're cute. Um, okay, so anyway, that's just our opinion. Uh, but I gave it a C plus because I, I just that's kind of my grade for one that I feel like is. Yep. <laughs> it's a. It's it's like a giving it the equivalent of like. Um, I don't know, like a six point five or seven out of ten. Somewhere in there. It's a passing grade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's where I gave it. So, yeah, I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and I thanks everybody in the chat room for your good comments. And uh, yeah, so next year we uh, we will have the uh, um, the episode eight, and I'm very excited for that. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, and I mean this movie, they it's it did really well. So I guess they're just gonna keep pumping them out. So. 
Um, all right, so where can people find you? Starting with Abby. Uh, Abby underscore kid on Twitter and Instagram, and the blog is jeremyandabbyadopt.wordpress.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore kid. Awesome. All right, great. Uh, well, thanks so much, and, and have a Merry Christmas, you guys. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and ev everybody who's watching, have a, have a Merry Christmas. And, uh, and uh, thanks. thanks again.